he's a huge bourbon fan. Um, he was drinking it before it was cool. And uh, he has all these old OFC bottles and you know, little bottles that just had little bits left that he saved and didn't want to drink them. Right. Just cause they were collectors and said he comes home and he's like, he's a six, six big guy. His pores are, you know, good four figure <laughs> pours at the end of the day. And said he comes home and his wife's like, Hey, you want a bourbon? You want me to pour you a bourbon? He's like, Oh yeah, I'd love that. And he sits on the couch. She brings him this big old glass. He pours it on ice. He, he fills it with ice and fills it up and she hands it to him. And he say, he takes a sip and he's like, Hmm. What? That's really interesting. Drinks it again. He's like, I can't recognize that. I can't recognize what that is. And he says, Hey, Gani, what, What'd you pour me? I, I don't recognize it. And he's got a pretty good bourbon. She said, oh, you had like 10 bottles that had just a little bit left. And I wanted to get rid of them. So I just kind of suicided them together oh, for no. you. He was like, he was like you, you did what? <laughs> yeah, so I thought he was going to start crying. <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank our friends at Premium Bar Products for sponsoring this episode. If you're ready to step up your game at your home bar, check out premiumbarproducts.com to choose from their wide selection of glassware, all of which can be custom engraved with your personal message or logo. And there's no minimum order. So after the episode, head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello everybody, I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is the Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, we are on the Bourbon Road, are we not? Yeah, well, the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, right? Yeah. Um, I'd consider this. We're down here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we've uh, come into uh, Pennington Distilling Company right here in downtown Nashville. Yeah, it's a good, good day. Yeah, <laughs> we got Jeff, the owner in here, Jeff Pennington, and we got his... Uh, mastermind mad scientist the man the myth the legend carter in here he doesn't like to be called master distiller right it's a new term (laughs) (laughs) when we put it on his cards business cards the first time he came and just threw them back i'm not giving those out you can so what you could do is everything i said you could put that on his card now (laughs) the swiss army knife of the place yeah so we always like to get straight to the whiskey uh because you guys got a little bit of it set out here for us good lord carter's got a heavy pour for us here um, but what's the first whiskey you got for us? Uh, well, we uh, we got three mash bills, so we're going to start off with our weeded bourbon. So this mm-hmm. is a sixty percent corn, twenty two percent wheat, eighteen percent malted barley. It's a blend of about five and a half to six year old barrels. What was it? An eight or nine barrel blend? Is what you and Ashley came up with? Nine barrel, nine barrel blend, and this is our first small batch. Is this the first blend or the second blend? This is the second second blend. So. Um, I've always been a weeded fan. So when we started this six, seven years ago, we said, I'm going to have to drink this the rest of my life. Might as well make one I like. So um, we did, we don't charcoal mellow it. So this is technically, we call this our bourbon. Um, so hope you enjoy it. Well, we're going to find out if the weeded king of Kentucky here, see if uh, 
see if I like it or not. I'm, I, I got a sweet tooth for wheat, so we'll see. So Davidson Reserve, it's not Pennington Distillery on the bottle. It's Davidson Reserve. Let's make sure we get that right for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's this cost on the shelf? Uh, the bourbon is anywhere between thirty nine ninety nine and forty four ninety nine on the shelf. Uh, it's one hundred one point seven proof. Uh, and then we have some cast strengths uh, single barrels around town. That uh, we've actually, for the first launch, if you go out around Nashville, there's some out there around $39.99, although I think most of them sold out. We kind of did that for the launch. Uh, but you'll see the cast strength out at about forty nine ninety nine. Maybe we can find a bottle of that for me to take home today. <laughs> yeah. We, we did. We did. We pop into, that. We did pop into a few shops today, didn't we? We did. We tried. And I, I took a poll. I said, how's that Davidson Reserve? And you guys, uh, liquor store owners. They had nothing but great stuff to say about you. So at least your Nashville shops are loving you. That's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, let's nose this. Let's do it. It's got a little bit of chocolatiness and some floral notes on it right away. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting that sweetness. But, you know, I think there is a little chocolate to that. A little cocoa powder, I guess. Yeah. That's, That's got a beautiful nose on it. A little bit of fruit. I'd say it leans it leans cherry a little bit. Now, this, how many? How old is this one? Uh, this is a blend of five and a half to six year old barrels. Okay, or six year old is probably the oldest. Six years in one month. To be uh, technical. To be technical, <laughs> we get excited when it's one day over six. It's six years old, but the youngest whiskey in this is about five and a half years old. All right. Well, heck, let's taste this thing. Cheers. Cheers. It's a beautiful expression. Uh, that little bit of peppery from the barrel, I think I'm getting, especially with that age, I would expect a little pepper from that barrel, that spice. Still yeah. that chocolate notes I'm getting. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm really interested in what it's doing to my tongue. It's got that uh, that little sizzle going on there. A little Just pop rocks. A little bit of pop rocks. We've, we've noticed that a little bit lately. I guess, you know, a lot of times when you get a new note, you got a new note that you've tasted, sometimes it, it, it kind of stands out a little bit to you when you're. But, uh, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of that cherry. Not too much. Uh, I love that sizzle. You, you said this is just north of 100 proof? hmm Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice, beautiful whiskey and stuff. I I got to compliment you guys. And I, I'm telling you, I, I love weeded bourbon like no other man alive, I think. Uh, maybe Bill Samuels Jr. or, you know, if W.O.L. are still alive or somebody like that, they might beat me to it. But um, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. And, you know, I, I think a whiskey, like I've always said, wheat can always, time can't hurt wheat too much. So I think this is one that can keep getting better and better. You know, our our dream ages for a small batch is all my, all my favorite bourbons. I always went to in the six to eight year old range. So I really think this one's going to, as it gets into that seven and eight year old range, I'm excited to see what it does. I'm getting chocolate covered cherries on this. This is exactly what I'm getting. That's what um, I always say. When I sit there and it, it lingers on the mouth, I'd I'd say this has that medium to long finish that I love about weeded bourbons. It that's not overpowering. I'm not getting that big hug on it or anything. Just enough to say, hey, I'm a nice whiskey and you're gonna enjoy me. What does our buddy Parker say? It doesn't give you the necktie. <laughs> <laughs> so how did uh, you come up with Davidson Reserve? So um my wife and I, when we started this, you know, originally we we launched a brand called Whisper Creek. Um, it's a Tennessee whiskey cream. And we originally thought that we would launch that, kind of take it out and then build a whiskey brand under that name. 
um, try to build the name out and then come out with one later. Uh, we kind of changed and pivoted in 2014 and kicked around a lot of names. And no matter where we went, you know, it seemed like most were named after people or places. Um, and so we're born and raised Nashvilleians. And so to me, it's Davidson County. It's a way for to say Nashville without saying calling it Nashville whiskey. So if you're from here, you'll get it. And if you're not from here, it still sounds regal. Sure. (laughs) Most people are going to want to know who's this Davidson guy, right? Yeah. 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 I got to say, though, even the bottle, I love that bottle. That's that kind of a master's keep um, Mm -hmm. bottle. Um, It's got a nice long enough neck that you're not going to spill all the bottle. And you got a classy design on your label. I like that. And you separated your uh, notes on the bottom, too, um, with your mash bill and your uh, proof and stuff on there. That's to me. I like that. That's that's a clean bottle right there. I love that bottle. I like the base of it. It's a good solid. I like a bottle that has a good solid base too. So was that that the bottle from day one? Well, day one was going to be our Whisper Creek bottle, which is a custom bottle um, up there. And then we just didn't say bourbon or whiskey to me. It was kind of the the turns of it. So my wife, my wife does all the design. So I'd have to kind of lean on her. She's got a, a wall of just puts up little things that she likes of all the different kind of bourbons and whiskeys. And she liked it cause it's got the, the, she says it's got feminine and masculine things to it. It's got the curves of and feminine appeal, but it's also got the masculinity of a good base. And she's real big about trying to market to both. And so she loved that bottle the day she first saw it. She's like, I like this bottle. Uh, we probably will, if you'll see that it's a little bit different between those two. So the one on the right is the one we're going to kind of go to. It's a, it's out of Italy. Uh, get the glass and we're going to uh, customize it a little bit uh, now that we've got enough juice to start selling more we're going to lengthen it just a tiny bit raise the height by building a little bit more base and then probably put some embossings of the tennessee stars on it or something that kind of makes it that'll be unique. nice so that'll be nice we did whiskey we did wax dip them at the beginning oh <laughs> carter hated that that was, yeah. that was a mess so i love the leather straps that she went to she we got away from that and she thought it was a little naked i hate that word but naked on top without the wax of that so she just did those leather straps that pop off and makes a great keychain holder keeper yeah a lot of people collect those and stuff you could have the greatest bottle in the world Uh, let's be true about that right you have the greatest bottle the greatest label in the world it could be absolutely beautiful but if you don't have good whiskey inside of it does it all really matter exactly um so I don't know, Jim, what do you think you're not a weeded guy I'm not a weeded guy but I'm liking this there's no doubt about it it's not that I don't like Weeded bourbons. I love weeded bourbons. Oh, you loved them last night. I did love them last <laughs> night. I uh, I just I kind of gravitate more towards uh, spicy stuff. You know, I kind of like the spice. So I like I typically like rice, but that's just me. You know, everybody everybody's got their preference. I got that big sweet tooth, and this this right here mm-hmm. it, it hits it. Uh, man. I'm a, I'm a sweet tooth on. guy too. I always have cookies at night, something. So, yeah. I, and I, I like that you said chocolate covered cherries because that's one of my favorite things to go after. Uh, sometimes I get peanut butter on the finish on this. I don't know if y'all get that, but everyone. Carter, what do you get? I get a little bit of the peanut butter on the end, but I my flavor profile that I enjoy is very similar to yours. Sorry, you're all right, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley, she knows our preferences. I, I'm sure y'all know Ashley Barnes. Yes. does our blending and helps us do all this and. She's funny. She knows what I like and what Carter likes. So when she sends samples in, she's like, this is going to be a Carter blend. It's going to be a Jeff blend. Yeah. So that's well, all your whiskey before she blended it, set in my driveway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it actually set in the back of an SUV out there and it got moved from one SUV to the next uh, so she could blend it and stuff. So that was a, 
a kind of a new experience. You know, you have a, a master blender, a distillery owner. Um, uh, I wouldn't call her royalty, I guess, but uh, a weller sitting at your house. And um, another guy I call Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump of whiskey sitting at your house. But um, Matt King. Matt, yeah, Matt King from <laughs> down at Leapers Fort. But it was kind of neat to see, you know, how the insides of the business really work. And um, I, I got to compliment you even for hiring her, you know, to help you blend and stuff. You know, if you think you might be missing a little bit or something or that more refined touch, that's definitely a woman to bring in and help you out. Now you guys have been in the business for a while, right? I mean, you did, mm-hmm. so you kind of blazed the trail in Tennessee for a new craft distillery. I mean, we weren't the first. Corsair, I believe, was the first. And then technically Old Smokey's got the second license and we we got the we were the third license to open up in the state. I mean, outside of Jack and George and Pritchard's. Pritchard's was here for a while. Um, but yeah, my wife and I were competing distributors, sales reps. So we were selling bourbon. My wife was on premise spirits manager for Sazerac when she used to give you a flat screen TV if you would buy some Buffalo Trace from her. Now you'd have to give her a flat screen TV to get some, but uh, she's telling me she'd beg people, give them a bottle free on five of Eagle Rare. And when you used to have to beg people. Um, so when we started this, you know, we, we really believed in Tennessee in general. And I know you're, you guys are from Kentucky, but um, we love Kentucky. Um, and I know there's a little competition between the two states and healthy, healthy, healthy competition. Right. But together, you know, I love that our two states exports more whiskey than the whole country of wine and beer combined. So, I mean, it's it's our America spirit. Right. Okay. And um, but I think Tennessee really not didn't get to keep the legacy going outside of the one big brand because we stayed in prohibition so much longer. So up until 2009, when Corsair really kind of led the charge on getting the distilleries open. Um, but we were excited to jump in because I think the, yeah. the runway is long for Tennessee whiskey. We like to always say if everybody's going to assume Tennessee whiskey and Tennessee bourbons all taste like Jack, that's like saying all bourbon's going to taste like bean. Right. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And speaking of Ashley, you know, you do this, you lay down all these barrels. And as y'all guys know, I mean, you can lay down the same whiskey in the same barrels on the same day and come back in three years and they're all different. So I think the blending is one of the forgotten about parts in America. They don't get a lot of the credit that I think they should. You go to Scotland and the master blender is the rock star. Sure. Here, you know, they celebrate the master distiller. But I mean, all these distilleries have these tasters and, and blenders. It's really impressive. And I think it's going to be for the small craft guys that we're trying to do 8, 10, 20 barrel blends. You, you better pay attention to what you're doing if you want to stay consistent. And so Ashley's just, I mean, it's amazing to watch her work. And she's taught us a lot about it. And in fact, we did a whole podcast with the, uh, another team and with Ashley and talked about it. And then Lee from Leapers Fork called me. He's like, I didn't think about that blending technique. Can you give me Ashley's number? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. So uh, I think she's gotten a little business off of that too. And I think it's, you know, and then you, we've got single barrels. That's the way, you know, because with the weed of bourbon, she and I really kicked around the idea of almost going to Blanton's model because there were so many different profiles she was getting from these bar- barrels that she was, we almost went to just straight single barrels only with it. Um, but we needed a small batch and, and uh, I'm really, really excited about what she came up with. Yeah. And now you guys are, you guys are putting whiskey in barrels, storing it here on site. You got rick mm-hmm. houses that are in the future. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, land in Nashville is not as cheap as you'd like. So we, we're looking out, trying to get, we're actively searching for some rural locations a little bit farther out. I mean, obviously you, you spent the night in Nashville last night and you can see it's growing so fast that 
it's not the cheapest place to age whiskey. So right now everything is aged on site here. Uh, we've got a little over 2000 barrels we've laid down. Uh, we're really proud, you know, and our, our, you know, we're big on authenticity and heritage. And so we've, we've made a point to not source anything for our own products, not to say we wouldn't do that in the future. We've bottled plenty of source products, not against it, but you know, we wanted everything from the grain to bottle to be done right here. Um, so that was important for this brand. So, so Carter, how do you feel? You're the guy that's, you're the cook of the kitchen, right? Um, how do you feel about that? The blending, bringing in a blender. I, I think it was a great experience. Uh, Ashley is a great person to work with and having somebody that has the knowledge and skill set that she has acquired for years working with Buffalo Trace and Four Roses, uh, to have that knowledge and be able to train my palate and learn to pick up things and the, the nuances, uh, it's been amazing. Now, how long have you been you know, cooking whiskey? Since 2012. Yeah. Yeah. We technically started in 2012 and we had a partner here that's uh and then in 2014 uh he went and opened up his own space and we kind of restarted over uh the first brand we did out of here we did in smaller barrels and younger age and we learned in that time that the whiskey got better we talked about this earlier but there was a lot of people who tasted it when it was younger and they weren't giving it another chance so we kind of sold off all the whiskey in 2014 and got to restart and we were lucky enough to do that with a new investor that came in and said we said if we're going to do this we want to age it in big barrels we want to we want to do you know take the tried and true heritage way and make our own twist on it and he was like he said yeah i'm down i'll back you and so we were excited to be able to go about that and Watching him from Ashley, I mean, we can tell you from the company standpoint, Carter's a brilliant mechanic and he's our right hand for everything here. But watching him learn from Ashley, just his pickups and his tasting techniques, she's taught us all a lot on that. So has it been kind of an awakening of your palate? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things that learned from Ashley is women typically have about a million more sensories than men. Um, I think the first day she came in and worked with us, we were in a the other conference room next to where we're sitting now, but somebody literally had put some chicken noodle soup in the microwave five rooms away. And she picked it up immediately and goes, who's making chicken noodle soup? And I'm like, I don't, didn't smell this at all. <laughs> it's it pretty amazing. She wants you to get rid of that chicken noodle soup. Yeah. It messes with her a little bit. Yeah. I lit a candle when she came to our house and uh, she said, Hey, could you put that candle out? <laughs> you have the experience with her. Yeah. She's a, uh, Great. And I think it's a compliment to you guys that to open yourselves up to that. And some people can't do that. You know, they'd be like, I can't, this is my baby. And I think it's great no matter what. It's like having a kid, you know, you always think your kid's going to be great. And they go through some trials and tribulations and you're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the, the fun things with her. She, she eludes barrels as children. And it, uh, when a barrel hits about two years old, you kind of have an idea of what child it's going to be sports player, musician, studious. And um, every month when our barrels turn, barrels that turn two years old and barrels that turn four years old, we pull samples from them. So we can go through and profile them and see the directions they're going. And having tasted barrels that have got samples from when they turn two, when they turn three, when they turn four in the development of flavors over time. And then working with Ashley, I've, now you start to see identifiers. So when I smell things, just pulling a sample out, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be one of these guys more than likely. And then I'll get an email from her. And she's like, that's, you're right. 
So starting to get confirmation that your palate is picking up some of these nuances from a very experienced person is it's a wonderful thing. Well, should we get on to the next expression? I was going to say, yeah. speaking of uh, different different expressions, yeah. So what's the second whiskey you got for us? Uh, we have our 100% rye whiskey. So it's a mash bill of 90% rye grain and 10% rye malt. The grain is sourced. Uh, we have a farm that we work with out in West Tennessee, uh, Renfro Farms. They grow our grain for us. Um, take a taste. Yeah. So before we do, so what's the proof on it? 100 proof, I believe. 100 proof. I, used, I think you said yeah. that. This and, is technically a bottled and bond. We just don't put it on the label. But okay. Yeah. And what's the uh, what's the age on this one? Five and a half. Five and a half years old. Bottled and bond, even though you don't put that on there. Um, she didn't want us to do that, proof. so it leaves us. She didn't want to close the palate down, right? As we get sure. more and more of different ages, kind of gives you a bigger sure. palate for her to work with. <laughs> so we didn't want to lock ourselves into that term. And what's this cost on the shelf? This is forty nine ninety nine to fifty four ninety nine. It's definitely okay. more expensive. Rye obviously sure. costs a lot more. You, as Carter enough, I've learned you don't get the yields, and it is a nightmare to cook. <laughs> <laughs> is it a sticky, more sticky? Absolutely. Um, it's a very challenging mashville to cook successfully. And you have to start with less because it tends to rise up in the fermenter. That is a true statement too. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, you, there's so much. I mean, after every time you cook it, there, it leaves a film on everything. So every time the cooker, the still, the fermenter, you have to get in there after every still run and really, you know, scrub it off good. I mean, we learned the first time we cooked this or distilled it, we put in the still, we ran our stripping run. We usually run two strips in a day and then we'll co collect it. And after four strips, we'll do a spirit run. And so the second strip run we put in three hours, four hours, five hours, nothing's coming through. We're like, the steam's turned up. It had, the film had created such an insulation that the still wouldn't heat the mash up. Oh my goodness. So our distillers don't like cooking this one, <laughs> but you know, you've learned how to deal with it. You learned how to overcome some of those issues or at least learn how to play with it. We've, I think the word learn how to play with it and manage. It's the correct thing. It's we, like uh, Poito. we strive very hard here to be very consistent in an inconsistent world. Oh, there's that rye. There's that rye nose. It's not uh, a pungent rye, though, nose like I'd get in some other ryes. This is a... I get more of a baking spice, all yeah, spice so kind this of is, rye. This is definitely a little more, yeah, like you said, baking spice. It's not the it's not the uh, the dill, pepper, uh, licorice nose that you get on some ryes. This is my favorite of ours to do cocktails with. Mm -hmm. I think this is, I call this our cocktail whiskey, personally. Well, it, it smells like a great cocktail whiskey. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's, let's taste, taste this it. thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. That is, uh, that, that mouthfeel is over the top. That's your jam, huh? That's my jam right there. That has got some body to it. You guys are not filtering this at all, right? I mean, this is. All of our stuff's pretty much unfiltered. Yeah. We, if we if we didn't need some water in there, um, we would uncut and unfilter everything. That's, <laughs> I mean, for me, that's oily. That's viscous. That's it's full bodied. It's it's got a great. That's the first thing that caught my attention was that texture. That's the first thing Ashley said when she tasted through them, and she's like, she was shocked at how much body and viscosity the rye has with no corn in it. Yeah, you know, because a lot of that sometimes the corn's what gives you the body, but I think it's also that it's all pot distilled mm -hmm. and there's no column process. And I'm getting uh, dried dates on this. <laughs> it's a, 
And that's a good thing for me. I like dried dates. You know, if you get something to eat or something, or maybe eat maybe even a little bit of fig. You say that, that's funny. I always say people dried apricot. I get it's dried though. It's oh, yeah. like a dried apricot. And I think it's because my great grandmother used to make apricot pies for me. So I always get a remembrance of that. But you know what? I'm I'm getting a little bit of that mid palate sizzle that I got off that bourbon. So it's kind of a almost like a signature note for your for your whiskeys. I, I'm it's different. I mean, they're they're the same in that way. I don't know if you've noticed that, Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. You notice what I have right here, Jim? Yeah, I always find a whiskey dog, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> now, what's this? What's what's his, what's it's a he? A she? She? Tully? What? Tully? Uh, it's Tuggle. 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 So, Carter's always had a whisk. We used to have two two whiskey dogs forever, and Carter had this dog named Emma. She's got a picture on the wall. She's never met a dog that was better than a distillery cat. This dog could catch mice. It could catch it. I mean, she was an impressive dog. So and most people have distillery cats. We're more distillery dogs. Yeah. As long as, as long as they're a mouser, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Tuggle here, she's a, that's a great dog. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, if you're listening out there and you haven't been into a distillery, you're probably, you know, go for the first time. You'll see a cat running around or sitting up on a mantle or something, or you'll see a dog. And that is the, the kind of the, a thing at a distillery to catch mice because you got lots of grain and where mm-hmm. you have grain, you're going to have mice no matter what. Yeah. We learned that when we used to use super sacks, we no longer use those. We now have full containers to contain it. If you control the food supply, you can control them, but man, you get a super sack that opens up and they can invite their friends and their friends, family and everybody real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would really be looking forward to this as a, as an extra aged rye mm-hmm. at some point. This is very tasty. Um, I, I love rice. Just like Mike gets all excited about <laughs> weeded bourbons, I get I get just as excited about a good rye, and this is a good rye. I think this would taste amazing in a old fashioned right it's here. Um, unbelievable! I, it it almost would. You wouldn't have to put any syrup in it. I don't think because the sweetness is there for me. Yeah. It's a it's beautiful. Put some bitters in here. We'll go to town, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I get surprised by it. You know, one hundred percent rye can be. You know, creamy, candy-like. I mean, it can happen. I mean, this this thing here is definitely creamy, no doubt about it. We'll call it oily, viscous, whatever you want to say. It's got a great mouthfeel. Um, the spice is, uh, I think it's well-balanced. I think it does lean a little more towards the baking spices, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only did a six-barrel blend on these, and we, we, we don't release as much rye because we do want we, – we only release about 20 to 30% of our inventory because we want everything to get a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just – Carter and I joke, we've had how many people have walked in this building with their magic black box? <laughs> At least 40. <laughs> they have this magic black box that you put whiskey in and it ages it 10 years and 30 minutes. <laughs> and we have yet to try, I've yet to taste a whiskey that has cheated time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited about, especially the rye. We, we're really excited. We think that it can, it's going to get really good as it gets older. I'm with you on that cheating time thing. It uh, We've, Actually reviewed a whiskey and uh I was mad because I bought it. I got I got cheated. They didn't cheat Tom, they cheated you. They didn't cheat me. I felt I was I was all kinds of angry about it. I was like, Jim, take this home. And I have to be honest though, it seems that anymore we're more times surprised and delighted than we are disappointed though. Because yeah. craft distillers are really doing great job now. Yeah. Great job. I think in the early days maybe there was a little bit of a, a rush to to do things, but I think Lessons been learned, and there's some great whiskeys being put out. So, are you guys? I know you're on a shelf in Tennessee. What other states are you in right now? With our whiskeys, that's 
primarily in Tennessee. We've got a little bit that's gone to South Carolina and Georgia, um, probably a little bit in Bur uh, Oklahoma. Like when I say a little bit, like 50, 60 cases, not much. So I'd say 90% of our stuff is primarily in middle Tennessee right now because we don't want to sell too much of our supply. I mentioned earlier, we want to really get it. We want to get all our stuff to that six to eight year range for blending. So this is kind of our year where we're expanding out. And I think we're planning to expand to about 10 states with it. Um, and what about the bars here in, in Nashville? You guys are on a lot of shelves, right? Normally we would be. There's not many <laughs> open in Nashville. 2020 was a rough year for the bars. Uh, 2019, we're, we, us as a company with all of our brands, uh, about 48% of our revenue typically comes from the bars and restaurants, what we call the on-premise trade. You know, bars, restaurants, hotels, venues, anyone that sells it by the drink. Sure. Uh, last year, unfortunately, with 2020, it was less than 10%. Um, luckily, retail was strong. Uh, people drank a lot, a lot at home. So it made up for it. And we had, ended up kind of almost being flat, even with the losing all the on-premise. But hopefully they start opening back up. In fact, our mayor, I think, announced starting Monday that they get to stay open till midnight. They actually said they can stay open regular hours till 3 a.m. as long as they're not serving alcohol, but I'm not sure who stays out till 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. serving alcohol. I don't understand the alcohol part of it. What? How does that contribute? Just into stu stupid? They say you get drunk and you start screaming and spreading yeah. it more, I yeah. guess, is what their argument is. Well, I, I tell our listeners, if uh, you're coming to Nashville or Nash Vegas, as I like to call it, you're coming here for a conference because there's a lot of conferences here. Uh, if you're coming here just to visit, and you go downtown, make sure you drink some Davidson Reserve. But if you're looking for something to fill the middle of your day, um, you drive west on I-40 a little bit and uh, stop by here. It'd give you something to do. And if you don't have a bourbon drinker or a whiskey drinker in your family, you guys also have some vodka. We don't like saying that too often, but you got these little drinks, too. Um, called porch pickers or is that what they're called? Yeah, can cocktails. Uh, and then. You know, that's we we learned we actually when my wife, we hate saying this, but when we started the distillery, our only promise to each other was we would never sell vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and uh after a few years in, we we did stuff with younger whiskey. So we had some flavored rise, we had the Whisper Creek, and then we kind of realized if we keep using up our younger whiskey, we won't have older whiskey. And so we were actually in New Orleans sitting at a bar and someone walks in with the shirt that says vodka pays the bills. And we're like, Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, we, I, and also Whisper Creek, uh, if, if that's in 35 states. So that's our farthest out. So if anybody's listening and haven't tried Whisper Creek, it's delicious. And what is that? What's that for our listeners? It's a Tennessee sipping cream is uh we have the trademark to that. That's what we call it. But uh, it's a whiskey cream liqueur. Um, but they can pour in that coffee. No oh, yeah, pour in the coffee or on the rocks. Everybody's like, what do you do with it? I'm like, you keep it simple. You pour it on the rocks, you pour it in your coffee. No. Oh. Carter, what do you do? You pour it over your cereal, or what do you do? Uh, it works very well with ice cream. <laughs> there you go. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, Jim, man, I think uh, they fed us something here. They let us try two whiskeys that is almost like they knew we were coming or something. Yeah, uh, it's kind of signatures for us, right? Yeah, I think uh, both of them were fantastic. Um, cheers to you guys for. Uh, holding true to yourselves and producing something that you want to produce. I think a hundred percent rye. I don't have, we had a hundred percent rye before we have, but they're few and far between. Yeah. Uh, and I've had a couple of Tennessee straight bourbon whiskeys. Um, very few out there. A lot of people don't think that, you know, they just think Tennessee whiskey, but, 
Um, I like that you guys just said it straight out right there. And it's a weeded, which you don't get a whole lot. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else. I know that Leaper's Fork's going to have theirs, their bourbon, straight bourbon's going to be weeded. But I think we're the first straight bourbon whiskey um, out of Tennessee that's weeded. Nelson's Tennessee whiskey is weeded, mm-hmm. but it's the charcoal. It's it a is, Tennessee yeah. whiskey. Uh, but this is the first one. I'm really excited about Tennessee in general. We, yeah. we formed the guild and long time, you know, seven, eight years ago. And there's a lot of us that are now starting to have our own juice come of age um, that are coming out. And, you know, Nelson's has theirs out. Leaper's Fork has theirs out. Chattanooga's got theirs out. And they're all completely different mash bills and different styles. And I'm really excited that there's probably going to be eight to 10 more over the next year or two. And yeah. Exciting times. It's really exciting, exciting to see people come out with their own juice after four or five years. Well, let's uh, let's take a short break here. When we come back, you've got a couple more expressions for us to try, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, your company and what's going on and what what's coming in the future. Awesome! All right. Well, you know you can't drink whiskey without glassware, and Mike and I are extremely pleased to have a sponsor like Premium Bar Products. Premium Bar Products offers direct-to-consumer the finest whiskey glasses, cocktail glasses, and bar tools with your own personal engraving. I mean, you can write anything you want on these glasses, anything from a company logo to a personal statement, and there are no minimum orders. Their direct-consumer platform offers you the opportunity to purchase small quantities of your favorite glass shapes that enhance the pleasure of enjoyment and drinking a whiskey and make it all very positive. They offer the absolute finest trending and handmade glasses as well as a comprehensive range of styles and all of their items have been designed with purpose, practicality, and longevity in mind. So if you're a bourbon or whiskey group and you need custom logos, you need to reach out to Premium Bar Products. If you're an individual, you just want a few for your bar, to impress your friends, to give out as gifts, you need to call Premium Bar Products. They need to be your one and only source for custom glassware. I can tell you right now, the Bourbon Road, that's who we use. Janie and Carson and the team there at Premium Bar Products will take care of you. They'll treat you like family and they'll take care of you with every order. Okay, well, we are back from the break. We got uh, we got Pennington in the house. Actually, we're in Pennington's house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we got Jeff and Carter with us, and uh, we're continuing on now with a couple of other expressions that you guys have, and what is in our glass for the second half? Well, uh, being in Tennessee, you have to have you'd be fools to not have a Tennessee whiskey, right? So, a true sour mash Tennessee whiskey. I think you guys, everybody, it's funny when people always ask us like sour mash. So that's Tennessee thing. Like, as you know, it's, that's really a bourbon thing, but I think Tennessee just kind of always put it on the, the label. Right. Um, so this is our true Tennessee whiskey mash bill. Um, it's a high rye mash bill. I guess you could call it 70% corn, 25% rye, 5% malt, malted barley. Um, so the malted barley is not really there for a flavor component. It's there just for some enzymatic power. Um, so hopefully you enjoy it as a, as a rye, rye fan. Um, we do charcoal mellow. We do our charcoal mellowing in a much different, we don't, we try to make it more of an additive than a subtractive 
We don't want to rip too many of the few soils out and some of the things that we think kind of gives it more depth in the long run. Um, so we kind of, we go through a little six inch tube, just gravity, let it go through pretty quickly, try to pick up maybe some of the sweetness and some of the, the mouthfeel from it, but not strip out too many of those, those few soils that uh, give it some of that depth. Uh, so really excited. We launched this, this, this blends a, a five-year-old blend. We did launch it first as a four-year-old blend. Uh, this one double gold and best in class at San Francisco last year, beat out the Jack single barrel barrel proofs and in the category of Tennessee uh, tastings gave it 94 points and uh, Bever at BTI listed as a number three North American whiskey of the year. So we were pretty excited about it. So wow, congratulations. Those lot, are some lots of awards from what I could deem the pretty big time awards companies. Cause I'm, I like anybody does their test blind. Um, a lot of the, there's so many of those contests that are, I guess who advertised the most. <laughs> so I, I prefer San Francisco to me is the, is the Olympics just from growing, being in the industry for 20 years. You can't really cheat. You can't buy them. Um, so we're excited about this one. Okay. Well, let's get to it. It's got a softer nose on it, right? Definitely a softer nose. Yeah. Yeah. So in the first half we had, we had the, the weeded bourbon and the rye and now this is the this is the Tennessee whiskey. The nose on this is definitely subdued. Not not as yeah aromatic. I still get that corn sweetness on it, um, just a little bit and stuff. You know what I can't stand is uh, you get some bourbon drinkers and they're like, I don't like that uh, Tennessee whiskey because it's sour mash. It's sour to me, and I'm like, um, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's and, either and that's all, like ninety percent of them. Yeah, it's, it's uh, super uh, irritating. I'm like, man, please just educate you. I don't say that to them, but I'm like, man, it's kind of our job to educate them too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we yeah. do. So for people that don't know, a sour mash is Carter. Why don't you explain to our listeners? Am I going to explain it right? The sour mash is a it's a process. You're reusing part of that uh, first cook to start your second cook, right? You're using it so you can help lower the pH. So in cooking whiskey and your fermentations, pH is very critical. Uh, it allows your yeast to perform correctly and give great flavors that you're looking for. Uh, and then technically, pretty much all whiskey sour mash. I mean, there's there are sweet mash sweet whiskeys, mash, right? but I would say 90% of the bourbons and Tennessee whiskeys are mm -hmm. use the sour mash process because it's a lot cheaper to use uh, previous right. mash than citric acid. You always, when you're doing your cooks at different steeping points and different enzymatic, you, it's really important to be in the correct pH range. Um, like you were saying. So it's just using your previous mash as your pH, as your, instead of citric acid. And a lot of times if you're running batch, one batch at the tail end of the other one, uh, doesn't it also introduce some temperature, uh, some additional temperature into there as well? Again, yes. Yeah, so there's some energy savings there, I guess, for bigger mm -hmm. distilleries. Smaller distilleries probably doesn't make that big of a, a difference. But, but I, I love I love that you brought that up, though. I'd, some of those big guys have some processes that you walk in you're like, man, that's awesome. Like, what a – so green <laughs> in a way, I guess, if, you, if you're – Yeah. <laughs> it was green before green. <laughs> yeah, if you look at old drawings of, like, wild turkey and you could see – uh, how they had everything ran and there's drawing of cattle pens and there's a tube that goes to the cattle pens. So all the spent grain ran downhill to the cattle pens, like feeding their cattle or livestock. Um, that stuff was pretty a neat process. They already had it set up. Uh, I like to see that kind of them old drawings of that stuff, but 
to my point, uh, Tennessee whiskey is not sour. Yeah. At all. No, there's no sour in this whiskey. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's taste it. All right. Right, right there with Dean Dillon's song, right? Do you guys know who Dean Dillon is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't know who Dean Dillon is. Dean Dillon was the songwriter that wrote Tennessee Whiskey. Um, tried to sell it to George Strait. George Strait passed on it. He said that's one of the biggest mistakes of his career ever. Not that he did bad in life, right? But He did all right. Yeah, he did all right. <laughs> yeah. But Dean Dillon wrote it. He got uh, inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame this year. And uh, I'd say yeah, it's smooth as Tennessee whiskey right here. One yeah. of our one of our top accounts in the whole country is a it's a little beach bar that probably many people in the southeast know. It's called Floribama. It's this famous beach bar. It's right on the Florida Alabama line. It's a really fun place if you've never been there. Called a melting pot. You can have a millionaire on one side and a bum on the other, and you can't tell them apart. And you're all having fun. Um, but Dean Dillon did a show there for their. They have a songwriters one of the oldest songwriter series down there, Frank Brown Fest, and he was the headliner. We got to sponsor that night. It was kind of pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> Meeting a Tennessee legend at that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is, for me, this is definitely very well balanced. I mean, I'm feeling I'm feeling the impression of the flavor across my palate all at one time. Very well balanced. I, I, I love it up front. I love it in the middle. I like it on the back. It's definitely smooth, but you did get carry a little bit of that character over that viscosity over you haven't lost all of that in the filtering process very nice yeah that was one of the biggest we didn't want to lose carter loves viscosity and mouthfeel that's one of his favorite tasting characteristics is having a, a he calls it a big mouthfeel yeah. um like you said earlier viscosity whatever you want to call it um so that's one of the reasons we didn't want to do the filtering real slow or too much of it now carter can you can you take our listeners through that filtering process so they can kind of understand how what process of the whiskey making does that happen in because some people are confused about that to become tennessee whiskey you've got a charcoal mellow it and that is the distillate before it goes into the barrel so once the distillates come off the still you're going to we run it through like jeff was saying we got for us we have a very small six inch diameter tube that's packed full of sugar maple charcoal and we let it flow through it fairly rapidly there's no definition to how much speed, time, etc. Some distilleries like to let it soak in it for days. Um, charcoal kind of is sandpaper to whiskey. It sands out and kind of smooths a lot of the, the big sharp edges, but this, those edges are what we like in for big mouthfeel and flavors and some of those components. Um, to me, some, some whiskeys that are, are very linear, you taste it and it's immediately gone and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with our whiskey and a lot of other ones being pot distilled, you've got a front, a middle back, like you were saying. Right. So when you uh, when you were developing this process, you were obviously tasting the before and after the column, right? Yes. And how big of a difference is there? Oh, the on the distillate on the distillate. Oh, it's massive, massive it's distillate. Very noticeable. Very yeah. noticeable. I mean, we we that's why we kind of sped it up a little bit, tested it different types. Yeah, I think. This process was created back when most people don't remember this, but y'all, I'm sure you historians, you, you know, bourbon and Tennessee whiskey used to be unaged. Mm-hmm. 
Right. <laughs> That's how exactly. it was sold, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that I've heard a thousand stories, I think, of how bourbon came along. I think the one I believe most is the the barrels that were sent down to Bourbon Street from Kentucky, and they figured out when it got there, oh, it was tasted better. But what it does is it smooths it. It, mm-hmm. it makes it smoother and it, you know, for an unaged or a younger whiskey, you know, a lot of craft whiskeys, they'll make deeper cuts on the still, you know, to cut out some of those rough edges, or they might do a bigger filtering process. And so that's really important for moonshine or unaged or younger aged whiskeys. Well, the barrel's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing in a barrel. It's going in and out of that barrel and it's filtering and the barrels. So age is also doing the same process. Right. But just so everybody young or we got a new whiskey guy out there that just hasn't really he's just gotten into whiskey or she's just gotten into whiskey. The. The sugar maple process, Lincoln County process, it's not adding any flavor to it. It's not adding any coloring. It's just straight up. It comes out wide after that, right? No, it comes out. It comes out dark. I mean, you filter it back out. Yeah. You know, I, I heard that Jack runs it through uh, like bed mattress style things. It's just the dust. I mean, it comes. It, it, it settles out. Dust. Sure. It doesn't yeah. come out. It come out colored. It settles out over time. But it's just it's just a filtering process. It's just a different. It's just using sugar maple versus oak char. Right. Right. That's in the barrel. I do think it adds a little bit of sweetness. Um, I think in my opinion, but the, it was mainly used to make it smoother and smooth as Tennessee whiskey. I think for somebody that's trying to understand the question you're asking, a Brita water filter is always a good example because uh-huh. you take your tap water and you put it through the Brita water filter and it tastes different. You still uh, call it water though. <laughs> yes. <it's, laughs> what do you call it? He called, <laughs> calls it water. 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 It's water. Uh, sure you know, some people, some people actually, uh, I, I chill their whiskey down and then put it through the process. Um, so, cause they really want to filter out, you know, as much of those rough edges as they can. Sure. Sure. I, you know, so they're combining two processes. They're kind of a little bit. One of the things we do with our whiskey that on the still, that's much different than most craft guys is we don't make real big cuts. We want to leave. We'll make the, a big healthy cut on the front on the heads. We'll let some of that tails drip in there. We we think that that gives it more depth and more viscosity, but it needs time. Yeah. Now, if we weren't trying, if we didn't have four years, we would definitely make a deeper cut and probably do a bigger filtering. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. So you guys are really, really thought this through. I mean, you've really got this worked out. We we got a couple of years of doing it, learning. Yeah. You know, sometimes learning what doesn't work is as good as learning what works. Well, you so. better you better dang sure figure it out because if you put a bunch of bad barrels out there, bad, you know, bad bottles, people definitely are going to notice and you're probably not going to sell as good. Right. Yeah. And we were lucky, you know, all the small guys in Tennessee, when we formed the guild, you know, Jack and George joined our guild and helped us. And, you know, they opened up their chemistry departments to distillers to go you know, down there and ask questions. You know, the big guys in Kentucky have helped. Everybody says, why do the big guys help you? They're like, well, they're not scared of us making good whiskey. They're scared right. of us making bad whiskey. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you had us and Leaper's Fork and Nelson's and all of us together. And our annual our annual production equals the morning run at Jack Daniels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can drive people away from whiskey exactly. very easily by putting out some bad stuff, which are, you know, rising tide raises all ships. Right, Mike? That's, that's the way we look right. at it. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's the way it goes. So 
you notice my glass is empty already. It's it was, that's that a good, good sign for a for a reader. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I'm a, <laughs> let's get it right. I'm more of a I'm more of a whiskey guy. Yeah, um, been drinking whiskey for a long time. Sometimes straight out of a silo that the roof had blown off. But <laughs> we try to tell people this is a bourbon style Tennessee whiskey. Mm-hmm. We try to get people don't not try it because it doesn't say bourbon. Well, there's the great debate, really, is, you know, yeah. is, is it really just bourbon, you know? Is this a three-hour show? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get into that, those yeah. politics, right, Jim? Yeah, I think it doesn't really matter, because if you wanted to call it bourbon, you'd put bourbon on the label. You guys put Tennessee whiskey on the label because you're proud to do so. Yeah. I tell so, people all the time, I could call it bourbon. They're like, no, you can't. Like, yeah, we really could. Yeah. We follow the five laws of bourbon, so. Yeah, we, we trust me. <laughs> get it from all ends. I've had people tell me that there's no bourbon outside of the state of Kentucky. And I'm like, well, you, you know, you, you're a little bit wrong there. I, I wish you would have saved a little bit of that because the next one's really cool. Thanks. If you go to Jack or George, you know, that's been around forever, you can taste the distillate before and after the charcoal milling process. I don't know of anywhere else you can taste the difference five years later. And so the next one you're about to try is the same exact mash bill, same exact process, everything, but without the charcoal mellowing and five years of aging. Tell us a little bit about this bottle. I'm kind of excited. Well, this is, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that we got, we were lucky enough to work with a gentleman named Larry Rasald, who I think most everybody in the, in the industry probably knows was the master still at Seagram's and then MGP. He's uh, done a lot to help the craft distilling industry. Works a lot of different craft distillers that you guys know. And and uh, he came down and worked with us for for a couple of weeks and the first 25 barrels we made we really honed in our tennessee whiskey recipe but we didn't charcoal mellow it in front of him <laughs> so the first 25 barrels we made we did not charcoal mellow so it, it's technically a bourbon mm-hmm. um because it's it can't be qualified it can't be called tennessee whiskey so it definitely does not qualify it does a- not qualify as tennessee whiskey uh it does qualify as bourbon so joke we like to say you know bur- tennessee whiskey is bourbon but bourbon's not Tennessee whiskey. Right? So, um, but whatever, not to get that debate. Um, so we call it, so what we did is we release a thousand and seventeen barrels, a thousand and seventeen bottles of this every year on October 17th. And that's because that was the first day we laid down whiskey. And so we consider our whiskey birthday. So I guess you could call it our birthday whiskey or birthday bourbon, whatever you want to call it, but it's, we call it our Genesis. And so, this one right here is our six-year-old bottled and bond. Uh, our Genesis is always bottled and bond. Um, and it's it's the same recipe, 70% corn, 25% rye, 5% malted barley. Everything else is the same. I mean, literally the whole process, the only difference is we don't charcoal mill it right before the barrel. So this is uh this is some this is some history here in a bottle. And every year it gets a year older, and you mm-hmm. introduce a thousand and seventeen bottles. Uh, into the market and it's to celebrate your birthday Mm -hmm. and uh, at some point you're going to run out though right we do make 20 barrels each year Uh um, and we've been kicking around what to do here in the next few years Uh, we'll probably start some kind of solera with the old juice to try to always have some older stuff and if we lay down 20 barrels each year we should always get still older yeah um so we're yeah, we've got a, probably about seven years where we can run it, and then we're gonna we'll run out of the original. So we've got we've got about four more years to figure out how we want to do a Solera style or how we want to. We've we've drawn up a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, 
Sometime. How much fun is this? This is it's, fun. It, it is, is a fun. lot of fun. Yeah. Make a whiskey. <laughs> just to be honest, everybody asks me like, would you love it? You probably have the best job in the world. And I'm like, we really do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we really do. The ability to walk into a distillery and smell the smells of a distillery every morning is a, uh, makes a great cup of coffee. I used to have to drive between uh, Anheuser-Busch. There's like a road that goes down in St. Louis and to the waterfront on the river. And I worked right on the river. So you'd have to drive through pretty much through Anheuser-Busch to work every day. And as you're driving through almost a tunnel of brick buildings, you smell. That's all you smell is their beer cooking. And all day long, you smell beer cooking, which is a beautiful smell if you're a drinker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like torture. <laughs> <laughs> I love walking in and smelling that mash in the yeah. mornings. It's all right, well, let's check this thing out. Oh, wow. There's a there's a stark contrast there. It's almost like a toasted marshmallow on this right here. Uh, that toast, almost toasted oak. I don't know if that's, are you getting that or what are you getting, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a, I'm getting a, a burnt sweetness kind of. I, yeah, but burnt's probably a strong, strong term there. I don't think it's burnt. I think I'm getting a, a cooked toasted, sugar, co- caramel. Cooked, cooked sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, kettle corn you get in front of like a fast pro shop or at the state fair or something like that. It's definitely different, uh, significantly different than what we just tried on the nose. Mm-hmm. Or I get with you know, I always kind of say Tavis Reserve, I get a lot of creme brulee where this is, I get a little bit more of uh, the marshmallow kind of. Kettle yeah. corn. It's funny you said toasted marshmallow. That's in our actual tasting notes that Ashley wrote. So is you, it? you nailed really? it. Like this, she said she claims that this, she, this is she and I's favorite probably blend we've done of anything um, so far. When you were a kid, did your mom ever make those popcorn balls? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> what? That sounds delicious. I get I get a little bit of that in there. It's like a caramel uh, marshmallow popcorn ball. Um, I remember as a kid that we get those as treats sometimes. Carter's like, man, you're taking me back to my childhood. Oh, those are great tasting notes. I'm ready to taste this. Might borrow a couple. (laughs) I'm going to Google that. Figure out how to make them. I've never heard of popcorn balls. Oh, they're delicious with the caramel, and they kind of get stuck in your teeth, and you're a little upset, but you're happy. (laughs) Well, let's let's taste this. Cheers. 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 Yeah. I still get it on the taste too, you know. Yeah. I get that caramel goodness, um, and I I hate popcorn. Like regular old popcorn, I can't eat it. it. Is a a childhood memory I just can't get away from. I don't eat it. Um, I can't even smell somebody pop it. But caramel corn, uh, what's those uh, cracker jacks? Yeah, oh, what, yeah. what are they called? I, yeah. I tear up some cracker jacks, man. That's with the peanuts, right? That's a fat kid and a cake together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh this is a big there's a big difference here between this and what we just tried. This is this is full bodied. This is it's on the verge of bold. Mm-hmm. I, I would say I, I don't want to call it a bold whiskey. It's not like uh taking me by surprise or anything, but it's got a an extra measure of flavor. I'm, Try to pick out a few notes here, though. <laughs> I don't get any burn at all on this. Um, it's just this is a perfect sipping whiskey and stuff. And I, I'll be honest with you guys. I searched this bottle out. I tried to get a bottle. I had people texting me here in Nashville saying, hey, you want me to find you a bottle of this? And by the time they tried to find a bottle, it was all gone. Um, 
I just a, a whiskey. I guess a whiskey nerd a little bit in me wants to. I've got a little a personal stash. I saw. I'll, uh, I'll send you home with the bottle. All right. Since you since you tried that, I got my little secret stash. I keep in my office. Well, it's nice to have those whiskey friends that even offer you that. That's. It's a pleasure to hear that people are because well, you're never going to get this it. bottle again. Yeah, and that's what I love right. about this. It's only going to be once a year, and it's kind and of. They a know collector's. I appreciate whiskey and stuff. Uh, last night I got a little bit heartburn, and uh, you know our friends try to feed me pretty. Pretty nice bottles of whiskey. He's trying to say, hey, try this, try that, try this. And I was like, man, I, I'd ate some uh, chicken Parmesan the night before. And that that red sauce on there, that gravy is Italian's caught. Um, it was giving me a little bit of acid reflux. So <laughs> whiskey drinking and that together is not the most pleasurable thing. Oh, yeah. If I don't have my Prilosec before going out. <laughs> Jim, Jim said the same thing at the night. He's like, I don't have no Prilosec with me. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I think I picked it out. Um, it's good and plenty, but it's before you get to the core, before you get to that licorice core. It's like just a hint of it from that rye, but it's a good and plenty candy. Yeah. But it, it's been a while since I had a good and plenty, but. Never had one, so. <laughs> My dad used to be love s- those. Girl. I've had yeah. plenty of those. It's like it's like night and day when you're eating them. There's they're sugary goodness on the outside, and as it starts to melt away, just as you get to that licorice center, just it just gives you that little hint of licorice, and then the sugar's gone, and then it's all licorice at that point. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that um, Nashville is famous for their moon pies. Yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> and I get a little bit of that moon pie in here, just a tad bit. Um, there's also another candy here that Nashville is famous for. Goo Goo Clusters. Yeah. Goo Clusters and Moon Pies. Moon Pie, is that more of a Chattanooga? I, I think that's that, actually Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee Which is thing. Tennessee, yeah. our yeah. south. Chattanooga, if you haven't gone to Chattanooga, beautiful city. It may just be the flora and fauna of Tennessee. And Chattanooga yeah. Whiskey down there is doing some really cool stuff. They've got, they're doing what they're doing really a high malt whiskeys. Right. They've, they've yeah. sent us some stuff and we we reviewed one. We we loved it. You yeah. know, there's a lot of people were like, how could you like that single malt, your bourbon guys? And we're like, no, we're whiskey guys. Right. Um, and we appreciate every region for what it brings. You know, if uh, Texas, you know, I'm a Texas boy and, you know, they're doing their own thing down there. It's their own style. Mm-hmm. That Texas heat, somebody's figured out how to uh, tame it. Yeah. And uh, that's, it's just a different style. I'll tell you, some of those there. Garrison Brothers bottles, man, those are some big boy bottles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like them. Uh, people, but, people bang on them because of their price and stuff. But, it, you know, by the time they have their loss, um, what's that bottle cost them, you know, um, what's it take to put in that beautiful bottle and stuff. It, the whiskey's still good, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and we appreciate whiskey for what it is for each region, I think, Jim. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, they do have some huge losses down there. When they put something in a barrel and take it out two years later, they've got a large loss. So. I could see I could see that. Yeah. But if y'all haven't tried, my, I've, I've actually gone through a couple of bottles of the Chattanooga whiskey. They're 111. Yeah. They're, we've had it. I, oh, yeah. I like that 111. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, I just got to appreciate whiskey for what it is and where it's from and realize that not everything's going to taste like that belt of Kentucky, you know, or Tennessee. Some places are going to be different. I think your whiskey is special to Nashville, to Tennessee. Um, and every, all four expressions have been excellent. I think, I think that's, uh, the, you. that's the beauty of whiskey, right? Should all taste different. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I, uh, you know, up in the Northwest, went up there and although there's so much room for malt whiskeys up there, I think they're going to, they're going to wow us in a few years yeah. with some of these distilleries. They're really getting into malts there. Texas, I always loved Balcones. Yeah. I heard that the uh, chip was had started another distillery down there. I don't know if it's ever come out. 
you know, the founder of Balcones. I, I think he was doing, he'd been working on something I heard down there. But Texas has its style. You know, the Northwest is going to have their style. Tennessee obviously has a style. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, I mean, the the market for malt whiskeys is pretty, pretty big, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big market. It's bigger than, I mean, bigger than bourbon. Bigger than bourbon globally. Yeah. You know, globally. We're going to catch them eventually. Eventually yeah. we will. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're going to have our own American malt. So, and, and various, and like you said, various places are going to have their own styles. Colorado's coming on too. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a lot of places coming on. Not to, Take away from your guys' whiskey. There's a lot of people coming on, but that's the love of craft distilleries. I think people would be shocked at how closely knitted the craft distilleries of America are and how much they'll help each other out. Uh, you can make a phone call one day and say, hey, I got this problem, and more than likely somebody's going to help you out. I'm sure you guys get called for help, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we've always – I mean, we've gone and helped other distilleries fix – He he's mechanical – genius over here uh fixing anything equipment wise he's, he's helped out vice versa Carter, you know what i heard right then raise that's what i heard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he don't want to be called master but genius is okay yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but you know you you said all the different areas and larry Rissault always uses this word and i i, I try to use it a lot in tours but he he uses the word florifauna a mm-hmm. lot and let the environment and it always reminds me i started selling wine this is what I, when I got in the business, I was first selling wine. And, you know, you'd always hear the master vintners talk about letting the grapes do the talking and letting it bear, you know, not doing too much to it. And I think it's the same thing with whiskey. You know, you can make the same stuff in Colorado and here, Texas, the flora fauna and the environment and the grain. It's going to do the talking. It's yeah. going to it's going to make it different. Great. And once it goes in that barrel, each barrel could be different because that could be a different tree. That tree mm-hmm. is, you know. It could be grown in a drier region. It, it, it's one of my favorite. He's been wanting to mess around with more barrels and getting into that stuff. <laughs> don't, 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 but don't, even it, in the same tree, right? It could be a center cut. Or well, it could I mean, be we've a, all know the single bar- the single oak project and just yeah. everything in between. The barrel is the most amazing thing to me. Yeah. But, you know, we the QC measures we do here to ensure all the dislike going into the barrels matches, and we grade everything. And I mean, the backbone system to what we've built here, it's pretty top notch, actually. Um, but like I was saying, you can fill 20 barrels with the same distillate, put them up right next to each other, and they all t- start taking on their own flavor profiles. You'll see some continuities, but the finished flavors and some notes and everything will vary from barrel to barrel. And like Jeff was saying, I think the art of blending is that's when it takes in. Yeah, I think the barrel overall, but I mean, you can see just in the finishings now and how popular that's becoming. Sure. Right. Um, we're in Angel's Emmy first came out and all the bourbon purists were like, that's not bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Scotland's been doing it for centuries. And now, I mean, look at all these great sherry cask finishes and Madeira cask. And maybe not my thing on some of them um, personally, but I mean, like I had a honey barrel finish. What was, what was that thing we had at Wesley's that day? Uh, the good times. Yeah. I got a bottle that we still haven't cracked and it's like 135 proof. I didn't um, think I would like it. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, heck, when we get back to Kentucky, we're going to have to <laughs> do it, do a review oh, on it. Huh? A review on it. Remember, all bottles are meant to be opened, <laughs> not take pictures of. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we're, we're, try, we're trying to personally start a thing on these bourbon groups, maybe to get people to stop buying up all the Weller. You know? <laughs> so we started to do hashtag open the damn bottle. <laughs> I think I had, I think I had a, little, a little over 600 bottles that were open at my house. So I had to figure a way to... 
uh, start getting rid of some of that besides drinking it. Uh, one man cannot drink 600 bottles <laughs> um, and not two men can't drink 600 bottles that quickly. So we've shared, we, we shared a lot of whiskey with some friends. Away. Yeah. One of our, one of our a quick, funny story. One of our good friends that his great aunt was one of the first female a chemist yes. at Sazerac or OFC. OFC back in the day. And she's still alive. She's in her nineties. still kicking and doing great, but she would gave him a lot. He's a huge bourbon fan. Um, he was drinking it before it was cool. And uh, he has all these old OFC bottles and you know, little bottles that just had little bits left that he saved and didn't want to drink them. Right. Just cause they were collectors and said so he comes home and he's like, he's a six, six big guy. His pores are, you know, good four figure pours <laughs> at the end of the day. And said he comes home and his wife's like, Hey, you want a bourbon? You want me to pour you a bourbon? He's like, Oh yeah, I'd love that. And he sits on the couch. She brings him this big old glass. He pours it on ice. He, he fills it with ice and fills it up. And she just hands it to him. And he say, he takes a sip and he's like, Hmm. What? Said, That's really interesting. Drinks it again. He's like, I can't recognize that. I can't recognize what that is. And he says, Hey, Gani, what, What'd you pour me? I, I don't recognize it. And he's got a pretty good bourbon. She said, oh, you had like 10 bottles that had just a little bit left. I wanted to get rid of them. So I just kind of suicided him together oh, for no. He was like, he was like you, you did what? <laughs> he was, I thought he was going to start crying. <laughs> well, guys, so in the future, what's, uh, what's the future look like? Is anything else special coming up for you? I think we got quite a few things special. I think the excitement is we've got three consistent mash bills that we lay down daily. And uh, we have a nice pilot still and working on some new things. I don't want to let the cats out of the bag yet, but uh, innovation is uh, rampant here right now. Yeah, I think uh, Carter nailed it. We He said earlier that we, we, we keep data. I mean, it's hard enough. Consistency in an inconsistent world is really tough, as he said. And we take Carter, Carter's team back there takes 25 to 30 data points on every part of the cook. The distillation controls much as we can before it goes into the, the barrel. And, you know, cause you can get enough variance from the barrel. So now that we feel like we've done a good job of that, we've got that out. We've, we're expanding the distillery this year. We're, we're adding about 40% capacity to our current lines so we can increase those mash bills. Um, but then also we we've invested in a pilot still program, just a little 130 gallon still cooker, and now I'm going to get to start playing around with smoked malt or maybe some malts and there some, you go. some <laughs> other things, you know, we wanted to make sure three mash bills. I mean, heck you can see what, what some of the stories do up North with just two mash bills and four yeast chains. Right. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to start, we've, we've been getting to play around. I know Carter's team's super excited to just, they can, they've now got the reins to here's a pilot still throw anything in there. Now we've tried some pretty bad things. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, we had some leftover blood orange pulp one day. We decided to ferment off him. That didn't, that didn't do too well, but we've had you, some pleasant surprises as well. So, so, um, you've got distillery tours going on now. Yes, sir. Even, even in the midst of what we're going through, but your distillery is open for tours. Yes, sir. Um, what can somebody expect on a tour here? See a working plant. Yeah. It's a hard hat tour. Okay. I mean, we're not, we, we built a, we, when we opened up over here, this neighborhood, you didn't come over to five years ago, <laughs> four years ago. It was, we built it for production. So uh, I always say you can kind of get three different tours right here within five minutes of each other. Uh, you've got a tour down the street. That's beautiful. And the history of whiskey and, 
Uh, you've got another tour at Corsair where the, those guys will try any kind of grains. It's crazy. I mean, they'll throw anything against the wall and come up with some fun stuff. And then you come here and you really see you can, you can it's very hands-on um, compared to, I call it kind of a hard hat tour. It's not the fancy, you know, dog and pony show. You're going to see how whiskey's made and be able to see it. That's, you guys still have the wooden catwalk in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I did the tour, I guess it's almost two years ago. Came over here in the middle of the day, kind of burned some time up and so I think it's a great tour. I think if you're, like I said before, if you're looking for burn some time in Nashville in the middle of the day before the honky tonks open up, before you can go over to Robert's Western World and get yourself a fried bologna sandwich. Oh, that's you delicious. know about those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, the locals, that's the locals honky tonk right there. be the recession special. PBR, <laughs> yes, uh, fried bologna sandwich, Lay's chips, um, and a moon pie. And you can get some boots while you're sitting there, too. Yeah. <laughs> and some great, are free. And some great, great Brazzabilly whiskey or yeah. uh, music. Uh, Brazzabilly music with big bass playing and stuff. Um, a great place to visit. But this is a great tour to come. Get some local whiskey, a craft distillery. So where can our listeners find you guys on social media? Pretty much uh, at Pennington Distilling Co. Or at Davidson Reserve. Um, both those on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, not big on social media. I'm trying to. I think we're this. on Pinterest as well for those Pinterest <laughs> users. <laughs> Carter still doesn't even have a picture on his Facebook page. So. Are you on? Are you on TikTok though, Carter? Is there a clock going off? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we realized we talked about last night. We're, we're now old when uh, only one person in NFL is, is older than us. <laughs> Well, we encourage our listeners to to check you guys out, give you a follow. And yeah, if they're in Nashville, definitely stop by, take a tour, uh, try your whiskeys. I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, take home a bottle, right? Yes. Yes. And please sign up for our reserve club. Um, we've got a reserve club that we just kind of started and that'll keep them up with up to date of releases and special things coming. So, well, we we really appreciate the invitation to come down and spend a little time with you guys here uh, in your house. We have been kind of stuck in our house for a while. It's yeah. nice to get out again. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. But you can find us on thebourbonroad.com. You can also find us on all social medias at The Bourbon Road. Uh, Mike, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Soon to be TikTok. Soon to be. One, of, one, of these days, one of these days we'll get that done. So on our website, you can go check our website out. We have our reviews on there. We'll be reviewing some whiskeys on there. We've got them up on our website. You can listen to those on our podcast, but we also write blogs on there. I'll write a blog about uh, Nashville and uh, this episode right here. It won't be about so much about the whiskey. Just some of my thoughts about Nashville. Go on there and read those blogs. You can go on there and buy our whiskey swag. I'm actually wearing one of our shirts today, the Bourbon Bullshitter t-shirt. We would appreciate appreciate uh if you go on there and buy that buy a glass buy a shirt um that helps us get back on a road it pays for rooms and pays the bills yeah there are bills when it comes to a podcast too yeah. um it helps us put us our podcast out on air that costs money too right jim it does it does i don't have to do any of the books or the bills jim does all that i just spend the money so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and drink and drink the whiskey drink a lot of whiskey yeah um, but you can check that out. We also have a private Facebook group, um, fourteen hundred people and growing. Um, last year we were at seventy five people and we're at fourteen hundred now. So oh, it's, it's amazing to watch the growth. Yeah, good, we, good people too, right? Yeah, we got master distillers in there, master blenders, just whiskey drinkers like ourselves. 
people that don't take themselves seriously to be in that group. You got to be 21. You got to like bourbon and you got to agree to play nice because we don't t- tolerate any what? We do not tolerate any rudeness. So you cannot come down on another man or another woman because of their preferences in whiskey. Uh, if they do a review and it's of a bottle of Jim Beam, lift them up. Don't don't tear them down. Yeah. We, we like everybody to. Some people are just starting out on that bourbon road. Some people been on a long time like me and Jim. Um, but we want everybody to feel welcome like a family. We don't do religion in there. We don't do politics. We don't do social justice. We're just talking about the whiskey. That's what we know best. And we got three moderators that will uh, enforce very tightly our rules. So. Yes, yes, sir. Glad to hear that. Yeah. So we invite you guys to to come in and join the Bourbon Roadies. I'm sure uh, our listeners and our, our roadies would will have some questions for you following the show. So feel free to come in, join up, and uh and be honored. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to and have everybody come, And everybody, if I could just give a shout out, come back to Nashville soon. Yeah. Nashville's, oh, yeah. Nashville's a tourism town. We like to say it's a drinking town with a music problem. Uh, but it's been a tough year. I know everybody's been at home, but Nashville, don't forget about us. Come back soon because it's it we, is a it, great city. And we were down we were downtown last night and it's still alive. It's still going, folks. It's uh it's not shut down completely. It's controlled. Yes. It's Socially distanced. Now, Carter, I know you're wondering what the entry fee into that bourbon group is. It's only $1 million uh, one-time entry fee. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Carter's got some single barrels he might be able to bribe in. (laughs) All right. So we do two shows a week. We do a short format show every Monday. It's uh, it's called our Craft Distillery Monday, where we review a craft distillery expression. Sometimes it's a big boy, but usually uh, an up-and-comer, somebody stepping out of the box a little bit. Uh, Every Wednesday, we do a full-length episode like today, right, Mike? Yeah, full length episode with guests. Sometimes just me and Jim like sit down and shoot the shit. Uh, that's just what we do. Um, check us out. If you liked our episodes, make sure you go up there and hit that top button, subscribe to it. That way, your phone, uh, Alexa, she'll play our next episode. Tell us, tell you that we have an episode coming out. If you really like us, please go down to the bottom, hit that review button, give us a five star, give us a one star if you want. Um, but tell us how we can get better or what we're doing bad. Uh, we'll try to improve. We always want uh, ideas for shows. You can send us an email at team at the bourbon road. That'll get us some ideas and stuff. You can find me at One Big Chief. I'm Jay Shannon 63, and we will see you down the Bourbon Road. Bourbon, 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 b